Bibles to Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation chapter number 20. As we are uh, moving along in our study concerning eschatology, and it just dawned on me as I was studying, looking at my message for this afternoon, that we just kind of skipped over the judgment seat of Christ. And so we may have to come back to it because um, I just I just totally skipped over that that very important uh, event that takes place after the rapture. During the tribulation that's going on on the earth, you have the judgment seat of Christ in which you and I at that point are receiving rewards from our Lord and it is, it is where our rewards are given us. And, uh, and there's some pretty explicit language told us there uh, concerning that judgment in the scripture, Paul specifically gives those those particular things to us in regards to how that judgment comes forth. Revelation tells us about the crowns that are that come with that judgment, and the, the realization that those crowns are um, undeserved by us, and the fact that they cast those crowns back at His feet, and the the in the Greek there. It is us casting the crowns and him putting them back on our heads. And us casting the crowns and him putting them back on our heads. Us acknowledging in that, Lord, you did this. I didn't do this. This is, this is your work. It's not my, Lord, this is, this is only accomplished by your power. And he, he puts them back on our heads again. And so this wonderful event that I don't want to pass over. So we'll have to come back to it even though I kind of, skipped it in the order as we've been looking through these events. But we, we finished up with uh, the millennial reign, uh, the thousand years as we looked at on Wednesday as far as the, the people, that uh, the residents of the kingdom uh, that's being spoken of to us in the scripture. And we come on here in chapter 20 to verse number 11. Uh, this is... At the end of that thousand years, we looked at uh, the event of Satan being loosed from his prison. He goes from that prison after he's been bound for those thousand years, he's loosed from that prison, and he immediately goes to gather those rebels against the Lord throughout the kingdom of God, during, throughout the millennial kingdom there on the old earth. This, this earth that we're living on. You have these rebels from Christ that are hiding in the far reaches of the earth. The devil is loosed. He goes and gathers those rebels. And over a thousand year period, there are a great many rebels gathered together. Uh, in fact, he tells us there that the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And so he gathers those rebels to come and fight against Christ and uh, the city of Jerusalem, he brings them to fight at the end of that thousand years, and God out of heaven devours them with fire. And he simply devours them. So like, very much like the battle of Armageddon, it was the word of the Lord that came and devoured his enemies there. A thousand years later, it's the same scenario again, except this time Satan himself is leading this particular army. And in his final 
soiree here, he is destroyed, um, uh, and, and his army is destroyed by fire from God out of heaven. Um, and then immediately he is cast into the lake of fire, into his judgment where he shall be tormented, it says, day and night, forever and ever. And then these judgments begin. This particular judgment is called the great white throne judgment. Um, on one hand, we read these judgments. We know the holiness of God. We know the beauty of his holiness as best that we as sinful creatures can know. And it, when we consider his holiness, it is beautiful to us. And from that perspective, we can read of this judgment and say, Amen. From simply a sinner saved by grace, a sinner who has failed multiple times, even this very day, for us to see this and read what transpires here, it's heartbreaking that people would not see, that people would not hear, that they would reject, that they would have no part, that they would continue in their sin. And rebel against the Christ. This judgment that is described here is deserving. But it's painful to see. It's painful to see that it is brought on the world. But it's probably more painful from my perspective that I'm just as deserving just as deserving, but for the grace of God, but for his love for me. And so we see verse 11. It said, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake fire. 
this is uh, the point or the fulfillment of what John writes for us there in verse number 5 when he says, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. And so the first resurrection is complete. It's complete there uh, at the end of the tribulation period. But at the end of the thousand years, these folks are raised, brought forth out of judgment where they are residing in hell at that point. They are then brought into the presence of God, into the presence of Christ Jesus as he sits upon this great white throne. And there, their works are weighed. Their works are meted out there. And judgment is given to them based upon those works. There are, in that judgment, no works of righteousness. Those that are lifted up, those that are weighed before His presence, there are no works of righteousness. Because without Christ, all of our righteousness, the things that we think are good about us, all of those things are as filthy rags before God. And so there, there will be no, there will be no uh, good deeds. There will be no good things that are weighed before Him. These are all things that they have done that merits for them the harsh reality of a holy God ensuring His holiness. And this judgment is a judgment deserved based upon the works they have performed. And it is, it is meted out to them in this judgment. Their destination at this point is already settled. He's not looking at it to find out who's righteous and who's not. But rather this is the sentence given based upon the degree of their wickedness. And so... There are, based on what the Scripture tells us here and other places, there are, uh, just as we are rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ, these folks are receiving judgment that is also uh, merit-based. That's a bad way to put it. But that's that based upon... The depth of their wickedness will be the depth of the judgment they receive. And I have no idea what that looks like. I have no idea what that looks like. What we do have, what visuals are given to us in the Scripture, are absolutely frightening. But I don't know what those depths truly are. Uh, other than they are torment day and night and total separation from God. 
in absolute blackness, absolutely alone. This judgment, again, is at the end of the thousand years. And these folks are brought forth out of their torment that they are enduring now. They are brought out of it for a momentary reprieve, if it could even be considered that. To stand before Christ. Now again, this is separate from the judgment seat of Christ, which I mentioned a moment ago. This this takes place. Excuse me. This takes place in heaven during the time the tribulation is taking place on the earth, and um, it's also separate from the judgment of the nations that we've already looked at, which takes place at the beginning of the millennial reign that Matthew 25 tells us about. We've, we've already looked at that particular thing where he's dividing the sheep from the goats among the nations of the earth. The great white throne is this final judgment. It is the absolute purging of sin from the universe, from God's creation. It says in verse 1 of chapter 21, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth were passed away. This universe will be spotless when God gets done with this judgment. 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter gives us a, a bit of an understanding about what is happening or going to happen to the earth there in verse number 10. 2 Peter 3 and verse number 10. He says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. There's this going to be a great destruction here, uh, but it is a, a cleansing. It is a, a cleansing by fire to rid this universe of sin. It's going to be eradicated. Now, we know, based upon the scriptures, that the earth is made to be eternal, is what the, how the scripture de declares it. So I, I would suspect, given that, and kind of what the scriptures allude to, is that when it is burnt up, as Peter describes, it's just going to be burnt up on the surface. The outside is going to be 
all burnt up, the remnants of sin burnt from that, and the earth itself still be in some form that God's going to recreate the new earth from that burnt up singe uh, that He makes of this one that we are living on now. We see in verse 11 of chapter 20 where this event takes place. We, we don't really know other than it's in the air. Because one reason it's hard to understand or hard to, to grasp this, he simply says, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And so the, the creation could not even stand to be in front of him. And so it's, it's located, uh, where it's located we, we don't know fully but other than it's not going to be on the earth and, and it's not going to be in the heavens there in that sense that they, they're fleeing from it fleeing from His holiness. And then the unrighteous dead will be resurrected to stand before that great white throne. One by one, the wicked will be summoned to stand in their own nakedness and sin to hear the judgment of God's holiness against them. This throne will be powerful it will be impressive. It will be foreboding. Its immensity, its purity, and its holiness cannot and will not be matched. There will be no judge to bribe, no jury to tamper with, no lawyer to represent. It will be just, and it will be final. Go to chapter 4. Hold your place here. Go back with me to chapter 4. Notice the difference here. Here's what John sees for us, for God's people. He says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of the trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must, must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne that was set in heaven and one set on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. 
And before the throne there was a sea of glass likened to crystal. In the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had the face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. These are those Isaiah describes as the seraphim in Isaiah chapter 6 that are gathered around the throne of God, crying this same pronouncement, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for Thou hast created all things and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. There's worship. There's worship. There's absolute awe and joy in the presence of the thrice holy God. This is the children of God. This is what we get to see. Chapter 5, he goes deeper into, into the vision and what he sees there. We, we're, we are given by God's grace, by Christ Jesus, we're given a, 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 a wondrous thing to see. Not full of dread. Not full of fear. Not full of anger or hatred. But of love, joy, peace. Because of what we have in Christ Jesus. This is not what these others see in chapter 20. They, they come before this throne with great fear, great dread, shame, guilt, standing before the thrice holy God with nothing, with nothing but their own sin. And there receive their punishment. It will only be attended by those naked, trembling sinners where their only outlook is an eternity of torment in a lake of fire. The occupant of the throne is the one who issued the law and the one who fully 
completed that law as a man. Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is the one seated upon that throne. He is the one given that judgment by the Father to meet it out among these wicked. He is the one that fulfilled that law and yet suffered its penalty for us, for his people. As I said, we deserve what these folks are receiving. You deserve it. I deserve it. We deserve the judgment that they are receiving. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, but God, he gave us Christ And he has taken our place. He has suffered the penalty of this judgment for us. And now because of his suffering in our place, he imputes to us his righteousness. And based upon that imputed righteousness, not something I've earned. Not something that you have earned. Not something I have done or that you have done. But that which Jesus has done. And that which he has earned for us. And in our stead. In our stead. Suffered, suffered that penalty for us. That this has no application for us as the children of God. But for the wicked, this judgment is very real. Very real. The just one. The truth. The Lord our righteousness. He will be the judge on this day. As it is given out. If heaven and earth flee away from his face here. Imagine the terror of those that are coming into his presence. Imagine the terror of being snatched up out of hell and suddenly standing before the holy judge. Who are the participants? The blood-washed saints of God. Those saved by the grace of God. 
through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus, these we will have no part in this judgment. Again, we all deserve it. We're all sinners. We've all sinned against God. We've all come short of His glory. And we do so every day. But even though I deserve it, even though you deserve it, for the children of God, ours has been heaped upon Christ. And he bore it for us. Verse 12, it says, who these facing this judgment are. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. These, whether they were small in life or large in life, that does not matter. It does not matter. They are on equal footing when they stand before this throne. The unsaved throughout history will participate in this judgment. Imagine every unsaved individual from the beginning of time to now rising to meet their judgment. From the poor beggar to the king, from the atheist to the religious, from the evil and to the moral. Men and women that did not know Christ Jesus. Or better yet, that he did not know them. Now standing before the one they denied. Or perhaps even the one they thought they knew. Verse 13 says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their work. Verse 8 of chapter 21 describes their character. He says, but the fearful and unbelieving and abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, shall have their part 
in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Fearful. Unbelieving. Abominable. Murderers. Hormones. Sorcerers. Idolaters. Liars. How many of those belong to you? How many of those do you see on the list there that I'm guilty? I'm guilty. There's a few of those that are mine. More than one. More than three. But God. Who is rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us. Amazingly, they will stand before God. Revelation 22, verse number 11. He said, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. What this tells us is they will stand before him with the same desire, the same sin, the same attitude. They'll want the same things that they got or had in this life. They'll want it even then as they stand before the King of Kings to receive their judgment. There's a basis for this judgment. The Bible, God's Word, and these books that are mentioned here. The Bible declares the requirements of God. The Bible declares who God is and what He demands of His creation. The Bible declares His law. And what he has said is holy and right 
and just and good and that which He has declared as sin, wickedness, iniquity, and transgression. That's the basis for the judgment. And then the books. Then the books. He tells us there in verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things. Now in chapter 13 and verse 8, as well as chapter 17 and verse 8, the scripture tells us here in both of those passages that the book of life was written before the foundation of the world. If you are one of God's, if you belong to Him, your name is written in that book. Those who have received life from Christ. In fact, they tell us in those passages that it was sealed. It was sealed until this time here. It will be opened as proof that their names are not there. God doesn't have to have it open. He knows who's in it. But it will be opened for them to see their names are not there in it. The church roll is not sufficient. You have to be written in this book. Another book is the book of deeds, as best as we can call it. And those books, if you will, are everything that will be revealed concerning the works of these individuals. And nothing is left out. Every work, every charge, every wickedness, every transgression, every unrighteousness, every sin is laid out before the throne of God. I don't know how he's going to do that. I imagine that it is going to be instantaneous, but I don't know. I don't know. Matthew chapter 7. I've said before, here in verse 21 down through verse number 23, these are the saddest scriptures to me that are given to us in the scripture. Of these that will come before this great white throne, 
And the question upon their lips is, but wait. But wait. For he says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Look at what all I've done for you. Look at all my service. Look at all of my devotion. Look at all that I have, have thought about you and for you. Look at all that I've given. Is that not enough? Was that not proof? And then he says, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Many, sadly, will find out their good moral deeds were not enough. And these with greater light, the scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 11, these with greater understanding of who God is and what he has given and what he has prepared, the degree of their punishment is worse. For he says in verse 21 here, I'm sorry, verse 23, rather of chapter 11, Lord says, and thou, and thou, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. The sentence that is meted out gives no reprieve. It is an everlasting sentence. It is an everlasting punishment. And it goes out by God given to these individuals, and it is eternal, that which issues out, so much so that the Lord tells us in Mark chapter 9, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. The horrible picture that he gives there, 
of a skin worm that eats the flesh. And the connotation is, is that while they're in that torment, their body being eaten by worms and the flesh simply does not go away. And there's a constant presence of these worms that somehow the fire does not touch. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. These who are judged will declare with the rich man from Luke 16, I am tormented in this flame. It is an eternal and horrible sentence that every knee will bow and will have to declare the judgment that they have received is just and holy. This judgment is a judgment you do not want to be a part of. Believe me when I say you want Christ. Believe on Lord Jesus. He took our punishment. He took our judgment. He died in our place and gave to us, gave to us his righteousness. Makes us right before the throne of God. Even though we constantly fail him even though we constantly come short. But the difference now is that when we fail him and when we come short, we hate our sin. We hate what it does to us. We hate how it separates us from God. Only in Christ are you delivered from this judgment. You must be born again. You must have Jesus as Lord. You must repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from your own way and turn to him. Let's all stand. Brother Gordon, would you bring us a song?